Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Parker Hardigree, the JO coach at Moss Farms. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I am Aaron Rooney. This podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. I had my alumni meet at St. Cloud State this weekend, the Harvard of the Midwest, for those keeping track. <laughs> uh, and uh, they, for years, have been struggling with the TiVo, and it's just like, when are we going to upgrade? And finally, I'm on the pool deck, and they have a full setup of poolside live on their three-meter on their one meter. It was awesome. I was, I just, I looked at coach Kayla and I was like, man, this is great. I'm so glad you guys finally got this upgraded system. So make sure you go check out sidelinescout.com. Get hooked up with the best in the business. Also, I just want a reminder out there are diving 101. If you're new to the sport or just want a refresher on some of the most basic rules and um, how to score points and the numbering system, just go over to episode number two, of the diving pod that's where we go over our diving 101 yeah so just another piece to uh touch on for sideline scout because i was just had this happen this week for you rooney is uh for all you coaches out there that maybe think it's a little bit pricey number one it's well worth the money but two go talk to some of your other coaches on campus you could definitely use it on the swimming end but one of the teams that use it at our facility is actually our cross country and track teams they get in and do water workouts and we use the underwater camera so that way they can watch like their leg extension and their form under the water. So maybe they would help cover some of the costs for you, but just a thought. Um, and just some exciting news for our listeners. Um, we've been working on some things behind the scenes and um, big shout out to Dan Miller from American Flyers for hooking us up. Uh, he got us in contact with a company named Crossbar. They are actually going to be a sponsor for us along with Sideline Scout. They are hooking us up with a website. Um, we are working on the background and the skeleton for that right now to get it ready to go for everybody. Um, at the beginning, it's primarily just going to have an about us and events page that's coming up. Aaron and I will probably work to do some uh, not official articles, but maybe some news things that pop up along the way on the homepage. And what the big mission we're going to try to accomplish early in this is to collect contact, meaning some email addresses. So that way in the future, we can work to do a newsletter, a diving newsletter, a diving pod newsletter for you viewers and for the diving community. So if you are looking for a website for your club teams, for a business, go check out Crossbar. We've been thoroughly impressed. The process to build out the website is really user-friendly. Um, coming from someone who's not super tech savvy, it's pretty straightforward and they've been real great with customer service so far with us. So you'll be hearing about them more and more as we keep going and we'll be excited whenever you get to check out the website. So Parker, we're going to jump right in here. Um, we're real excited to have you here, but just kind of take us through your journey, how you got where you are now, and then um, secondarily kind of the recruiting process and what made you choose SMU uh, during that process. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as a kid, I actually tried out all the different sports, you know, like most kids do. I did um, like flag football for my school. I played soccer, uh, basketball, um, all the big sports that you would typically do, um, baseball as well. Um, but really, I had like really bad ADD, and so I couldn't really focus long enough to do those things. Um, so one time I was in first grade, my first grade teacher came in and she was like, yeah, my son's a diver. This is what he does. And so I had never heard of diving, but she showed us videos and pictures of him diving. I was like, man, that's, that's really cool. 
And she was like, yeah, they have a meet coming up soon. You should come and watch. So I remember my dad and I went up to the pool and we watched his competition and saw the diving. And I said, man, I want to try that. So I ended up trying it and I just stuck with it. I was about seven years old when I started diving at Moss Farms. Cool. And then uh, what, what was the decision like to go to SMU in that recruiting process? Yeah. So I reached out to a ton of different schools and uh, Darian was actually the first person um, the coach at SMU was the first person to reach out to me to recruit me. Uh, the first day that we, they were allowed to call, he called me and um, spoke with me for a little bit. And um, we got on the phone and I went out to SMU and uh, had a visit and I loved it. And that's pretty much all I really wrote. All she wrote. Uh, Darian was awesome. I loved the facility. I loved the campus. Everything about SMU is just beautiful. Um between all the buildings matching, the grass is always perfectly green. Um, just everything about SMU was awesome. Nice. Um, so now talk about the transition to coaching. Uh, first of all, what is it like coaching for your club program? Um, <laughs> it's, it's very surreal, honestly, sometimes. Um, because now I'm coaching, you know, with a few of the kids that are there now were on my team when I was still there. So I went from diving with them as my teammates in, in practice every day, spending a lot of time together to now I'm coaching them, working with them. So it was a little bit of a difficult transition, but uh, it's been really awesome. I've learned a ton. Uh, I thought when I first started, you know, I've been diving for 15 years. I know everything there is to know about it. Like I didn't think there would be anything that I could learn. Um, but being at Moss Farms and um, with John Fox for the first year was awesome learning a ton under him. Um, so he gave me a lot of good advice while I was coaching and just really made the transition a lot easier than I had anticipated. Cool. Cool. Heath, you still alive over there? Yeah. Sorry. I just realized my microphone was muted for you. <laughs> um, but no. So as you now sit there, in a pretty predominant role in your club team, do you ever feel pressure to kind of continue like that legacy of not only the coaches, but like you were a very, very elite level diver that came from that program. And now you're a coach there. Like what kind of pressure, how do you deal with that when working with the club that you dove at? Uh, yeah. So the pressure, honestly, I don't really feel a ton of pressure because I'm still fairly new at the program level, but with um, being, a part of the coaching staff now it really makes you appreciate all the work that goes on behind the scenes um, like as an athlete there you know I knew Moss Farms was special I knew that Moultrie Georgia was a cool place because uh, that's I mean I was born and raised here so I knew that the community was special and I knew Moss Farms played a huge role in the community but I never really fully grasped the impact that it has on our own community and so feeling the pressure really I don't really feel the pressure for our athletes to succeed necessarily I feel more of the pressure to continue to give back to our community as a program and being involved with all kinds of kids throughout our own community so what do you, what's the biggest struggle for you as you go through that battle of giving back to the community the kids the sport what's the biggest struggle or biggest challenge you're facing currently 
I would say for me, the biggest challenge is the fact that I'm still pretty young. And when I'm in town going around to places, people still view me as a diver. You know, I can't tell you how many times I get asked, oh, are you still diving? And I'm like, no, I'm actually I'm coaching now. So it's it's interesting because I'm on the other side of it and people don't really view me as a coach yet. They still view me as uh, one of the athletes. So that's kind of one of the transitions that's been kind of difficult. Um, but another one would be just, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, no that's good. okay. Yep. You you honestly like led right into my next question. I said, as a young coach, how do you draw that line between the coach and the athletes, especially when you mentioned you have been teammates with some of these kids that you're now coaching is there any time where you have to pull somebody aside and say hey you know in the past we might have been buddy buddy but now this is the way that we need to communicate and handle things how does how does that go yeah absolutely the um i have one diver specifically uh <laughs> bo bridges shout out to bo um bo was my teammate my senior year of call or high school i was you know, 18 years old, Bo was probably like, I don't know, 12. And so it was me, Bo and Carson Tyler constantly practicing together um, and always spending time together. And it was like, Bo was like our little brother, you know, like a little brotherly uh, relationship that we had. Carson and I would mess with him all the time. He would mess with me. Him and Carson would mess with me. Like me and Bo would mess with Carson. It was just like a brotherly type of relationship. And when I came back, I was really worried about that having an impact on me coaching him. I was really worried that, you know, because we had that former relationship, now it would be difficult for me to gain the respect and um, their just trust, honestly, as a coach, because they just, they knew me when I was in high school. And, you know, a lot of things changed from the time you're a senior in high school to when you graduate yeah. college. So uh, that was really the only person I was really worried about uh there are a few others on the team that I dove with but Bo specifically was the one that I was worried about but I will say um I'll give credit to him he's been phenomenal to work with he rarely ever gives me any issues and we're always pretty much on the same page but I think it is because going back to that relationship that we had um I can give him a correction and he trusts me to um know that I'm saying what I'm saying would work, I guess. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Parker, this, I've heard this story one, I've heard it like one and a half times. But for our listeners, I just want to give you the stage to just tell our listeners about your senior year and what made that year so special. Okay. Uh, yeah, my senior year at SMU, uh, I guess I'll start with the summer before my senior year. So the summer before my senior year at SMU, I decided to stay in Dallas and train with Darian at SMU. And I just really wanted to improve on my junior year. So I stayed and I trained really, really hard with him all summer long and made a ton of progress. And it really shifted my mindset from like, um, you know, I can make it to NCAAs to I want a final at NCAAs. I want to do really well at this meet. And so um, stayed all summer. We ended up going to the U.S. Open National Championships the year that it was at Rip Fest. And I ended up 
actually winning the one meter competition, which was pretty awesome and kind of gave me a huge boost in confidence going into the season. And so um, after that meet, had a couple weeks off to rest and recover and got back into it. And um, all my teammates were back and we were just in, in and out grinding every day. And about a month into it, I guess, probably middle of September, I started feeling really sick. Um, <laughs> like I, one day I just woke up and I had a 103 degree fever, body aches, headache, nausea. Like I woke up and pretty much couldn't move. Um, and so Darian was like, yeah, no worries. Just rest it off, go to the health center, you know, have an appointment. So I did, they gave me some medicine and I was out for about a week. And I went back in, um, dove for a few days. And then it was like, I woke up one morning exactly the same, if not worse. Um, so I went back to the health center. They gave me more medicine. And I was out for about another week or so, maybe more. Um, not allowed to dive, not allowed to really do any sort of physical activity at all because I was so sick. And then... Um, I woke up one Sunday morning and I was like, man, my, my palms are itchy. And so I get up and I go to the bathroom and I turn the light on and I'm just covered head to toe in like this looked like chicken pox, to be honest. And I was freaking out. Um, I <laughs> freaked out when my parents, I called my parents and they were just trying to calm me down saying, Oh, you're just having an allergic reaction. Take some medicine. You'll be okay yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay. So I trusted them. I calmed down and I took some medicine. And then the following morning I woke up, it was a Monday morning. I woke up and I had morning practice and I was worse, like head to toe, bright red bumps all over my body. And I didn't know what to do. I went to morning practice and I remember I walked into Darian's office and I, I was like, Darian, I don't know what's wrong with me. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I took my hood off and like kind of lifted my shirt so he could see everything. And he was like, oh my gosh, don't, don't move. Uh, wait for the trainer to get here, go to the health center immediately, figure it out. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, he was just stay away from all your teammates. Don't get near them. Like, yes, sir. So I waited, went to the health center and man, um, long story short, they ran a ton of tests on me. Uh, it ended up being about four weeks or so um, a really long process of getting a lot of blood drawn a lot of tests I was at the health center probably every other day for several weeks and um, I was at the point where the health center told me that they're going to have to hospitalize me because they just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and so um, they were like our last resort if this doesn't work tomorrow we're taking you to the emergency room to the hospital so they can run more tests I said, okay, so their last resort was they were going to send me to a dermatologist. And so this dermatologist, um, we had a video chat because it was during COVID. And so he video chatted me and said, oh, that's just mono. <laughs> and I was like, what? I tested negative for mono. He's like, no, 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 that's mono for sure. That's just the mono reacting to your antibiotic. And so he was like, here's some medicine, take this, you'll be fine. And within a week, everything <laughs> cleared up and I was totally fine for the most part, but I still had been essentially bedridden for a very, very significant amount of time. And I couldn't really, I didn't have the same muscular endurance that I had beforehand. And so I went in the dive. Um, I think it was like 
a Tuesday when I found out that I was cleared to dive. And that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we were having our SMU invite. So um, I had to compete in like three days. So I, I had two, two and a half, three days to get all of my lists back. And um, I was honestly feeling really good. I worked really hard on my mindset going into senior year about how I wanted to compete with um, with Darian and my three meter competition, I went in, I competed three meter first and I went in with the attitude that, man, I'm gonna, I know I've been out for a long time, but I'm about to go off. I'm gonna win this meet, beat the school record. Like I was just super overly confident going into this meet because I knew I'd been out for a really long time and I wanted to prove that I still could do it. I still had it in me. And so <laughs> in the prelims warm up, I went in, I did probably three of each of my jump or my list, a bunch of jumps, a bunch of entries, and I really overdid it in the warm up. And then halfway through prelims, I crashed. I had no more energy. I was so weak to the point I could barely lift my arms. And so I ended up finishing the prelims. I don't even remember honestly how I finished in the prelims and then went into the finals and didn't do a warm up and just went straight into the finals. I did horrendous i was so, <laughs> so bad um i probably got last or close to last i did really bad badly at that meet um but the following day was one meter and so the following day i went in and darian and i had a conversation and basically we both agreed that for the one meter my warm-up i was doing one of each of my list regardless of how it looked regardless of if it was good or bad and at the end of the warm-up, I would sit and I would rest and wait for the competition. And then right before, I would do one front jump with a hurdle. And that was it. That's all I was allowed to do. And so I ended up, I think I got second in the prelim. And then uh, the finals, I did one front jump right before the meet started. And then I ended up winning the finals on one meter at that meet. And so that kind of really just gave me a big boost in my self-esteem, knowing that, yeah, you were sick, but if you could figure out how to work it and push through, then you'll be okay. And so I ended up doing well at that meet. And then after that meet, I was doing okay, staying healthy for the most part. And um, we were about three or four weeks out from Winter Nationals. It was the first Winter Nationals I have ever qualified for, was able to go. Um, it, it was at Indiana and like I said, it was about four weeks beforehand and I was doing a front two and a half on one meter and my back just snapped. <laughs> I had to do it. I was doing a hurdle and I landed, um, on takeoff about to do my connection. And when the board was at its lowest point, it felt like my back just gave out and snapped. Mm. So I immediately knew something was wrong. I got out of the pool and I could, I couldn't get up and walk I couldn't put weight on my legs so I immediately was like freaking out Darian came over and I, he had to carry me with the help of our assistant or our trainer our athletic trainer they had to carry me to the training room and take me to the ER to get x-rays and MRIs and everything done so luckily all it was was just a very severe muscle strain in my lower back but it put me out for another six weeks so I missed the winter nationals I didn't get to go um and at this point, I'm like, man, I've had so many setbacks. I don't know how I'm going to do it in CAAs this year. Um, I don't know if I'm even going to make it. Right now, that's my only goal is just to make it. So I went from at the beginning of the season wanting to final, 
to now just I just want to survive the season and make it to NCAAs. So fast forward a um, couple months, um, I'm getting ready for zones. I'm feeling super confident. Um, this is right after our conference meet, and I had a pretty decent conference meet. I was pretty pleased with how it went, and um, I was feeling confident, ready to go, and I was just like, man, it's in Wisconsin. This is exciting, but what if I don't make it? Mm. And I just remember I had this feeling, you know, like, I don't, what if I don't make it? And so I called my parents, and I was talking to them, and they originally had not booked any flights, no hotels. They weren't going to go to zones because they just assumed that I was going to make it because of how confident I was and mm-hmm. how I had been training. And so they, I convinced them that they needed to book the flights because I was like, mom and dad, this could be my last meet. If I don't make it, this is my last meet. And like I said, I've been diving for almost 15 years at that point. Mm-hmm. So I convinced them to come and I was at zone meet. Uh, my first competition was three meter. And, um, my list was, <laughs> I did, I uh, had a weird order and I'll, we can touch on that a little bit, but my list was full out, double out 107B, 205B, 305B and 405B, um, was the order I did it in. And so the three meter competition comes around in the prelim and I start off with full out. I hit it for, I don't even remember, probably like 60 something points. Um, and then double out was always my worst dive. I hit it for like 40 points <laughs> and so I was not, not surprised in the, in the least, but I knew I had a lot of ground to make up. And so my next dive was 107 and in practice leading up to this at Wisconsin and practice at SMU leading up to this, I, it was pretty consistent, um, getting to my hands and getting it down pretty well. And then in the meet, I had this wonky hurdle and I balked. And I remember everyone just like gasping because I saved it. I almost fell in, but I saved it. And everyone was like cheering because I saved it and, you know, reassuring you like most divers do like, you know, you got it, take your time, reset. So I walked to the end of the board um, away from the pool and facing the wall. And I just kind of took a deep breath, tried to gather myself, get my heart rate down. I turned around and went to go again and I balked again. Mm. And I did the exact same hurdle, fell in that time and was like, man, I just ruined my chances to go to NCAAs on three meters. Like it's pretty much over at this point. And I was super upset. I got out. I went to my little corner where I had been sitting and I was just, honestly, I was crying because I knew that was the last competition of my last three meter competition of my diving career. So I let myself have my moment and, um, let, let the tears out. And then I made the conscious choice in my mind to flip a switch to, as some people might say. Um, but I realized like, you know, I still have three more dives. This meet's not over. If I keep grinding and I work my way back, you know, I can still make it into the final. And so I went in the rest of my dives and I just went in with that mentality, like go all out, finish the meet and don't give up. And so I went back and I think I ended up getting like 21st or 20th or some, somewhere along in there, top 18, make it to the finals. And I think I missed it by like four points. So I didn't make it to the final on three meter. And so therefore I didn't make it to NCAAs on three meter. Right. And 
you know, it was pretty upsetting, but Darian was understanding. He was, he told me to, you know, have your moment again when you go home tonight, but tomorrow's a new day, leave this all today. And then tomorrow come in and do your job. So I was like, okay. So I went back, you know, had my moment, dealt with the emotions and everything. And the next day I went in, I was like, all right, one meter, my strong suit, I'm ready to go. And so the prelim was okay. Um, not my best, but I made it into the final. I got 17th, 16th or 17th, I believe. And top 18 made it to the final. And for this particular event at this zone, top 10 made it into NCAAs. And so I'm going all out. Darian told me before the meet, like, I don't want you to miss a single dive because you were too cautious. I want you to go all out as hard as you can, go for every single dive, um, dive for an eagle is what he told me because we went by the golf scores as well. Yep. So he told me to dive for an eagle on every. Yeah. And so I went into it. I did exactly what he said. And going into the last round, I was sitting in like 10th place, 10th or 11th place. And I was like, man, I really need to nail this last dive. This is going to be the last dive of my career potentially. And so I did my last dive. I did it pretty well for me. Um, and I was watching the scoreboard and I'm sitting there in like eighth place and a diver would go and he'd miss a dive. And I'd still be in eighth place. And this went on, I was pretty early on in the order. So I was just watching these dives go by and watching my name and the results kind of drop or stay the same. And as the meet came down to like the last five divers, I was sitting in 10th place and I needed one guy to miss his dive. And of course, you know, everyone around me at this point kind of knows what's going on and they're all watching. And uh, I don't remember who it was, but they went and absolutely smoked it, <laughs> just dropped it and passed me. So I dropped to 11th place and that's where I finished. The meet was in 11th. So I didn't make it. I didn't make it to NCAAs and Darian came up to me and gave me a big hug and, you know, congratulated me on a great career, told me that he loved me. And, um, I was in tears. My teammates were in tears. You know, it was the end of my career unexpectedly because I didn't do platform. And so um, I went up to the stands with my parents. Thankfully, they were there. Um, I convinced them. So I'm glad they were there. But I was done. And it was all just very surreal. And so um, with that being said, it was like a week before our spring break. So I made plans. You know, I was going to go home to visit my family for the first time I was going to get a spring break in my entire life. So yeah. I was going to drive home from Dallas to come stay with my family. And we got back to SMU and I was driving to dinner with my girlfriend and Darian had already known about my plans to go home. Um, I had already made plans with uh, Moss Farms to have an official interview for the job um, for that week while I was home. And we're on the way to dinner, me and my girlfriend and I got a phone call from Darian and essentially he was just like, Hey, are you still in town? And I was like, yeah, I'm still here. He said, all right, good. Don't go home. Cancel all your plans. You're going to NCAA. <laughs> and I was just like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? I didn't make it. He's like, no. Um, he had just gotten off the phone with uh, Texas university of Texas. And they decided they were not going to take two of their divers to NCAAs. So it ended up bumping me from, 11th place up into the top 10 so I was able to go on one meter and I just remember I called my mom and the first thing she said when I told her was 
I just canceled our hotel room. I have to book it again. <laughs> hey, not even like good job or anything. Just oh, I already canceled the hotel. So <laughs> it was awesome. But I ended up going to NCAAs and it was just surreal. I remember before hearing that news, I had a talk with John Fox on the phone when we were scheduling my interview. And I just remember we were talking and I was like, John, I just feel like I'm not done. You know, like I feel like there's still something left. Like there's still more in me. And then not even 24 hours after that phone call is when Darian told me I was going. So it was just kind of like a, like a trust in God moment, really, mm-hmm. you know, everything happens for a reason and God's got a plan. And it just all became clear at that moment that that was his plan for me was to experience that, I guess, failure and not making it to, Oh my gosh, now you have an opportunity. What are you going to do about it? And so I remember my teammate, Peter, and I, we were the only ones left over spring break. We went every day training, getting ready for this meet. And I went in to the meet only on one meter. And it was at Georgia Tech, which coincidentally was my first meet ever was at Georgia Tech. So it was kind of like a full circle moment. I got to go back to Georgia Tech for my last meet. And the prelims, you know, I was pretty consistent, I would say, but it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, Again, going into the last round, I was, you know, probably like 17th or 18th, top 16, make it into a final. And I was like, man, I'm coming down to the bottom again. I really need to nail this dive. So my last dive, I go up. I'm like, all right, last dive of my career, better make it my best one. Go after it. I do it pretty well for me. And um, I came up and I was just like, all right, well, that's the end of my career again. You know, I was, I was <laughs> content. I was happy. <laughs> I was happy with it. And, um, I walked over, Darren gave me a hug and I was looking at my phone at the results and I was like, man, I'm still kind of in it. Wow. And again, I'm at the beginning of the order. So I have to wait for everyone to go. And it's just playing that waiting game and I'm watching, I'm watching. I remember I needed, <laughs> I needed one or two people to mess up to make it in to the consolation finals. And I'm watching this event and um, Carson Tyler comes up. And as you know, Carson's insane. Yeah. Really great, obviously. And, but I'm looking at the results and Carson's one of the ones I need to miss. And Carson's like my little brother and I'm sitting there and I don't want him to miss because, you know, you never wish that, your opponent yeah. would miss a dive you want to make it on your own so i'm sitting there watching carson and he's got his gainer two and a half twister on one meter and i'm like great he's gonna shred it this carson tyler he's gonna shred it this is one of his better dives and he goes and he hurdles off the end of the board his feet are both hanging off the end he shoots out to the middle of the pool and just drops it and didn't didn't make it around so he got extremely low scores and i ended up beating him at that one on that event and he bumped me up into the constellation finals and so shout out carson thanks for helping me into the constellation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah i bumped up into the constellation finals i'm like man that's insane i think i was 15th going into it and so i'm like man now i gotta go all again you know last last event of my career again for the third time third or fourth time <laughs> So I go in and I do my list and I'm just, you know, I'm at peace at this. For me, shockingly, I didn't have any nerves going into it. I was just at peace knowing that um, whatever happened was going to happen. I was 
blessed to be there regardless of how I finished. So I went in and I dove pretty well and I ended up getting, I think, 13th overall um, at NCAAs on one meter. And so that was, that was just it. I mean, I went from not making it at all to NCAAs to, oh, you made it, but you have to really make it into the consolation finals. You might not. And then made it in. And then, you know, I scored points for SMU for the first time since like 2017, I think, 2016. Um, yeah, it was just insane. That's wild, man. That's yeah. that's really cool. It, uh, you know, not to keep poking the bear, but uh, it's nice to have a, a win over Mr. Carson Tyler there too. <laughs> not a whole lot of people sure. that uh, that can say that. <laughs> yeah, he. I can say this. He's beaten me on three meter, rightfully so, but he's never beaten me on one. <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I feel like he's coming up to Maltry and he's like, Parker, we're doing a little uh in-house six dive one meter list. <laughs> oh, for sure. And he would smoke me. Absolutely. I have no <laughs> I have no shame in admitting that he smoked me on any given day. <laughs> but on that day, he didn't, and that's what matters. Exactly. exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. So segueing in a little different way here, I know you guys utilize a lot of technology at Moss Farms. Who are some of your favorite divers to watch and study? Uh, yeah, so I think going back, when I was in college, I really liked to study um, Michael Hickson, um, uh, Ross Haslam, Patrick Housding, um, those guys, and I actually downloaded a lot of videos of them. I really just went through Darian's video library on Dartfish and found my dives that I competed. And I found guys, honestly, it didn't really matter who it was, but I just found guys who were shredding them and doing them really, really well. So I could figure out, okay, how did this guy do that? And how can I mimic that to make mine look like that? Yeah. And so uh, I remember I had a video of Michael Hickson doing 405 on one meter, I think. And I just watched it all the time. And um, I really liked watching his videos just because Darian and he were pretty close. So um, it was kind of cool. And I've met him a few times. So it was like, all right, I feel like I know this guy. I know he works really hard. I know he's really good at this. He's obviously been to the Olympics, so it's working. So I study a lot of him. Uh, nowadays, when I'm watching videos, I really watch a lot of our own divers, um, not necessarily to study what they're doing, like how I'm not necessarily like compare the great divers to them, but more or less like, okay, what are they struggling with and how can I help them in this little area? Like what little nugget can I find in these videos to um, improve just a little bit? And so I watch a lot of our own current divers, but I still go back and I watch uh, a lot of Carson's videos um, to compare i have a lot of his videos from when he was still a junior diver so i go back and look back at where he was to where he is now and i show some of my kids occasionally like hey this is what carson looked like when he was here and now look at him you could do this too nice yeah i love that so in what areas do you feel you've kind of grown the most since the beginning of your diving career to where you are now um i would say confidence in my diving ability um when i was a kid you know, I made my first nationals when I was nine years old and it was hosted in Moultrie at Moss Farms. So my very first nationals was at Moss Farms. And so um, as a kid, you know, I was just like, oh, I just love diving. I just want to do it because it's fun. 
And then when I started getting older, I moved out of that 1100 age group and I was in the 1213. Um, the conversation started coming up that, you know, you're going to have to learn 205, 305 eventually, you know, you're going to have to learn them. And me being the kid that I was, oh, that sounds so fun. I just want to do it. And so at the time, our bubble machine had been broken for a while. And I remember we had it fixed and I wanted to use the bubbles. And my coach at the time, Ed Goodman, was like, well, you can't, you can't use the bubbles unless you're learning a new dive. So you have to learn a new dive. And I was like, all right, well, what are my options? And he said, well, you can do 205. And I said, okay, deal. So I went to one meter and I did a couple back doubles and he sent me up. And the first one I remember – I kicked and just landed like flat on my stomachs in the bubble. My adrenaline, was, my adrenaline was pumping, so it didn't hurt. It didn't bother me. And so I came up and I was like, oh, I got to do another one. So I did a second one. I landed flat on my back. Kicked <laughs> too early, flat on my back because I didn't know how to spot at all. And so from that point on, I really developed this mental block with backs and gainers to the point where I wouldn't do a back one and a half or reverse one and a half anywhere in the pool at all. Um, I remember I competed backflip straight on five meter <laughs> just so I could compete at one wow. point in time. And, you know, at this time, Jacob Seiler and I were pretty good friends. We had a little group of guys who um, all hung out together at meets and I'm sitting there watching all my friends, you know, do all these really cool dives. And I just, every time I go up there, I panic and I can't get it off. I just can't do it. Um, there were several meets where I signed up those dives when I was probably like 14 or so and I had to do them to be able to compete. And so I would just not train them at all. I would just <laughs> go into the meet, maybe chuck it in the warmup, probably not. And I'd end up just throwing it in the meat and it would make my coach so mad every single time I did it because I, it was, I was always fine. You know, I, my preps were always really good and I was always fine. I would go in right on my head, not a big deal. Um, and so it came to a point where I was severely um, afraid to the point where I would try to skip practice because I didn't want to do these dives. I really wanted to quit diving. And so um, eventually what ended up happening was our board hired um, Ed left and went to Michigan, mm -hmm. yep. I think. And then we ended up hiring Chris Eaton and John Fox. And when they got to Moss Farms, they really chose to be patient with me. And they really fought to help me overcome those fears. And the biggest thing that they did was they came in and one of them, I don't remember which one it was, but one of them actually told me that when they got the job at Moss Farms, that other coaches around the country called them and were like, congrats on the job, but good luck with Parker. He's a lost cause. Like, cause I just couldn't overcome that mental block. And so John and Chris kind of took that as a challenge and they really poured into me a lot of love, um, a lot of patience and a lot of kindness and encouragement. And we sat down as um, a group with the two of them and my parents and we kind of together came up with a game plan and um, the game plan was we pick a date on the calendar and that was the day I was going to do the dive. And leading up to that, we were going to do so many reps in the belt, so many reps 
of our preps, so many drills and skills leading up to it so that by the time that day came around, I would be begging them to let me do it, essentially. And so that is exactly what happened. It came a point where it was time for me to do 205C for the first time. And I say first time, but like the first time again, actually Mm -hmm. trying it in a practice. And I kid you not, I was 16. I was either 15 or 16 years old when that time came around. And I did back to back tuck on three meter. You would have thought I just learned like back four and a half on one meter. Or something. <laughs> like, like everyone was going nuts. Um, I still have the video and it gives me chills watching it because of everyone going around, like so excited, running up to hug me and helping me like overcome that. And I think I sent the video to my mom um, while she was at work and she just cried because it had been such a long journey for me to overcome that. And after that one moment, it was like a, a switch had been flipped. Like I just went from terrified of 205C on three meter to, oh, I'm going to learn everything. So I ended up within probably a few months, I learned a full pike list on three meter and like double out on three meter. I've, I've done 305B on one meter and like all the big dives I learned within a couple of months of doing that. And it was all just, you know, John and Chris being patient with me and encouraging me. And so after that, really, I struggled with confidence in like, okay, well, I'm way behind everyone because I'm just now doing these dives. Everyone's been doing these forever. So it wasn't until I got to college with Darian, um, and it took a few years for him to finally get it through to me. But really, the biggest thing that's changed was my confidence because he was like, you need to go into these meets. And even if you're statistically and on paper, not the best diver, you need to go in with the attitude that you can keep up with these guys. Like you go to these big meets and you get starstruck, but in reality, you're just as good as them. You need to go in with that attitude. And it really took a long time for me to personally make that switch in my mind. But once it did, I started competing really well. I started having less nerves. I went in with this kind of like irrational confidence, I guess, for a lack of better term. Like just this confidence that I'm going to break the school record at every meet I'm going to, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to do all these crazy things. But in reality, like, could I have done those things? Maybe, maybe not. But I was so confident and I told myself that it was going to happen. And so it just brought my diving to a whole new level. Mm. Yeah. All right. So Parker, who is your top top ranked male and female diver in the U.S.? Ooh. That's a tough one. For sure, I'm going to go Carson Tyler as the male. <laughs> you know, after I dogged on him a little bit at the beginning, I, I, I got to give him his props. He's, he's definitely my number one. Fair. Um, he's definitely my number one guy for women. That's a tough one. I really like watching um, Chris Hayden and – you know, Sarah Bacon's pretty insane too. I like watching them um, just because they make it look effortless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome when you can just make your incredibly hard dives look effortless. And I mean, who's going to say that Sarah Bacon isn't great? <laughs> like, she's pretty awesome. So yeah. I have to say Carson Tyler and Sarah Bacon. Nice. All right. And then I, I do have a follow-up because um, I am not allowed to comment on junior divers. Who is the best junior diver in the united states 
regardless of age group? Oh, well, I'm, I might be a little biased. Might be a little biased, but I have to say, uh, if you look at the paper and look at the results and look at the stats, Ellie Reese, night A, for sure. I mean, she's just dominant in her age group, for sure. I mean, she just went to national, swept all of her events, went to junior Pan Am, swept all of her events. I mean, when's the last time the U.S. had someone go to junior Pan Ams and sweep? It's a good question. I, I get a kick out of looking at her dive meets profile because there's a lot of ones on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think what the only one she doesn't have a one next to her name is the senior meet she attended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that exactly. was pretty impressive at 11 years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, take us back, Parker, a little bit. What was your routine during big meets and how did you structure your list? Um, you know, I like to say that I had a routine at meets. But honestly, it kind of changed. It kind of varied depending on what the meet was, um, who I was competing against, and really just how I personally was feeling that day. Um, I would say most of the time, I would go try to find a secluded area where I could um, have a chair. I would always find a chair wherever I was. And I would sit on this chair, and I'd play on my phone, listen to music, and just try to not focus on diving, not watch the results most of the time. Now, there were a few instances where I remember I would watch the results just because I like to know what I had to do to win um, and what I had to do to really catch up and do what I had to do. And so um, most of the time, like I said, I would just sit there and do nothing or um, be by myself. But other times I would be cutting up with my teammates you know, laughing, watching the other divers, cheering them on. Um, it really just depended on the meat. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And for my list structure, um, I kind of touched on it earlier, but going into my senior year, I really found that I knew that double out was my worst dive going into it. And no matter how many times I tried to shift my mindset you know I always went into it super confident going into it because I told myself that you know this is going to be the best rep you've ever done this could be it you could do this dive for 70 plus points this is going to be the best one did that happen <laughs> not really at <laughs> like a dual meet but most of the time it went for 40 points so in my mind the way I could picture it was okay I need double out to be at the beginning because I know I'm going to have to make up some ground afterwards, but I don't want to do it before full out because I don't want to mess myself up going from a harder twister to an easier twister. Mm -hmm. So really I just started with full out so that I could do double out as early as possible. And then <laughs> after that, I knew that the 107, 205, 305, 405 were my stronger dives. And I knew that if I missed double out, then I could make up the ground that I missed. Or if I hit double out, great. That would give me a drill in to really hit all of the rest of my dives. So that's kind of how I structured it on uh, three meter. On one meter was similar, but a little different. I went 105, uh, 105B, 203B, uh, 305C, and then 5333, 5335, and I ended with 405C. Nice. I always ended with inwards um, towards 
the end of my career because I knew it was a solid dive for me. And I knew that the variables such as like, Oh, what if I get a bad hurdle or, Mm. you know, stuff like that. I knew that going into that last dive would be when I had the most nerves. And so I ended with four Oh five because I knew I wouldn't have those variables. And it was just, you know, a a simple back approach with an inward takeoff. And then you were there. So that's kind of why I ended with inwards and on platform. I don't even remember what my platform list structure was because I rarely did it. I think I may have done platform like three or four times a year throughout my college career. Nice. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the less amount of variables. I actually have all my kids, whenever we do a championship meet, their first dive is going to be a back takeoff or inward. And then their last dive. Cause it's the same thing, right? Your first dive, you're a little juiced up, a little excited. I want to make sure that you don't overstep your hurdle or do something silly. And then on the last dive, if you have a chance to win, really would hate to see that exact same thing happen. So that's that's something that I like to kind of remind my kids, hey, you're going to be really, really excited. Your heart's going to be pumping. Would you rather do a back two and a half or would you rather do front three and a half? And we you know, really need a good hurdle on front three and a half. <laughs> All right, Parker, give us a book movie and tv recommendation oh okay this might come as a shock to you but i'm actually not a big book guy um i don't even remember the last book i read which is kind (laughs) of sad i need i've actually made a point to myself that i really want to do better about reading um and so the book i read the most is honestly just the bible yeah Uh, i keep it in my desk at moss farms so that if I come in early before the practices and I have some time and if I, especially if I'm not in the best mood, what I can do is pull out my Bible and just read a, a couple of scriptures and just kind of put myself into the right mindset to work um, and coach. So that's probably my book, biggest book recommendation, I guess. <laughs> just, I lo- you know, Dude, I love that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, movie. Movie's a tough one. I watch a, I'm a big fan of series. And so, because I always watch like a first movie, I'm like, man, that's so good. I want to keep watching. So I love like all Marvel movies, Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars nerd. Love Star Wars. Um, Harry Potter movies. Love those too. Um, Can't, can't really pick one, um, I guess, but I guess, I, I don't know. I guess if I had to pick a movie, it would be the Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's probably my favorite movie. And then TV shows, again, I don't know if I could pick a fi- uh, one single favorite, but most recently it's been uh, my girlfriend and I are trying to watch The Flash together. Yep. So we've been watching that, which I think is really a good show. Um, I personally love Peaky Blinders and um, South Park. But- yes. Um, obviously, you know, parental warning, like there's <laughs> not, not kid friendly. Don't let your kids watch those shows unless <laughs> you, know, you were there for supervision. So um, just, just for clarification, parents, Parker did say you should let young kids watch South Park. No, <laughs> no, 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 he did not. He did not. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Parker favorite food, music, and then a fun fact that people might not know. Um, yeah, favorite food would probably be burgers. You know, I love a good burger. Um, 
And my favorite music, I listen to this probably won't surprise you. I listen to a lot of country music because nice. you know I'm in the South. It's pretty much all you listen to here. And then a fun fact. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, probably that I'm a huge motorhead. Like I love cars and trucks and pretty much any vehicle that has a motor. Um, I have helped. I have some family members around who live near me who have a garage and they build a bunch of cool cars. They restore them. And when I was in high school, I actually had took a class and got a certification to legally paint and repair bodywork and on cars. So I am certified to paint cars. Not That's cool. I, do I remember how to do it. Probably not, but I'm certified. You're right, though. I I did not know that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. We will get into our signature questions now. Uh, we don't treat failure like it's a bad thing, more of an opportunity for growth. So from that perspective, what's your favorite failure or best opportunity for growth? All right. I've actually been thinking about this a lot. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. So I've been thinking about this question a lot. And I think the biggest one for me was back in 2020. You know, it was an Olympic year. Uh, it was right before COVID happened, and um, we were hosting. I want to say it was. I want to say it was NCAA zones, and um, in my head, I was like, "Okay, if I don't make it to NCAA's, this is my last chance to get the qualifying score. My last meet to get the qualifying score to go to the Olympic trials," which up to that point had been my only goal throughout my entire diving career was to make it to the Olympic trials. I didn't necessarily want to go to the Olympics, but I just wanted to be able to say I went to the trials. Mm -hmm. And so I went into this zones meet and I just put an unnecessary and ridiculous amount of pressure on myself going into this meet to perform and do well. And, you know, when you do that for most people, it's a recipe for disaster and I am like most people. So it was a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I did horribly. I had the worst three meter meet of my season, possibly life at that competition. And I failed. I didn't, obviously I didn't make the score to go to Olympic trials. And I remember just being so heartbroken and just crushed because I remember the exact words I said to one of my teammates was that's 13 years of my life for nothing. I just dove for 13 years of my life and I didn't make it to the Olympic trials. So I did all of it for nothing. And I was so upset. And I just remember like, man, my career is over. It doesn't even matter. I'm not going to keep diving after I graduate. I'm not going to make it to another Olympic trials. Like nothing, like nothing else in my career matters. And, you know, God, has a funny way of doing things and two days later the world got shut down for COVID <laughs> and I got sent home and for me I was like all right I'm done diving like I'm not diving anymore I'm, I'm done you know I don't know when this uh pandemic is going to end um I'm not talking diving I'm not watching diving I'm not practicing I'm not doing anything so mm -hmm. I I came home and for the next several months i didn't I didn't do any diving this that was the longest break I ever had from diving in my life in my entire career and I didn't touch a board probably for six months didn't touch a board didn't do any flips didn't do anything no sort of exercise and so I went into my junior year 
again, not diving at all. And I went into that pool. I fully expected us not to have a season, to be honest. Mm. I fully expected us to not have a season, not be able to practice, not be able to do any of that sort of stuff. So I went ahead and I got myself a job. Like I got a part-time job. And so I guess throughout all of that opportunity, it made me realize that diving isn't everything. Mm. Like I went home, I came home and I rediscovered that, you know, I'm not diving. Like diving is not what defines me. It's just something that I do. It's just, you know, diving is going to end and life's going to go on. Up until that point, I was just, oh, I'm, I'm the diver. I am a diver. Uh, my freshman year at SMU, I was quite literally the guy diver on the team. I was the only one. So the entire swim team knew me as the diver. Um, so I, up until that point, I was just known as the diver, even in my own family. Like all my extended family, I was the diver. And so during COVID, it really gave me an opportunity to kind of explore myself, find other things that I was interested in, explore things that could give me a new hobby, a new interest, new things. I taught myself how to play the guitar during that time period. Something I've always wanted to do. I just never had the time or the you know, ability really. Mm -hmm. And so I taught myself how to play the guitar. I taught myself how to go fishing, which sounds bizarre, but, um, I, up until that point, I never had a ton of time to go fishing. And so I went, um, to my family's pond down the street from my house. I went every day, pretty much (laughs) just trying to get into it and learn. And so it made me realize that there's life after diving, you know, diving is not everything. Diving is cool. Diving is a way to get you places help you achieve your goals for life but no matter who you are diving is going to end one day at this point in time you know diving is not going to be the thing you do forever i mean yeah you can transition into a coaching role kind of like we all have Mm -hmm. um but you you're not going to be an athlete forever so uh the that's the biggest thing that i learned from that failure and the biggest thing that helped me grow a lot yeah, that's super true. I'm really sore after my alumni meet, which happened <laughs> yesterday too. So it's very true. You you, uh, you won't be an athlete forever. <laughs> uh, so uh, Parker, what are you doing to improve? Um, I'm actually trying to learn a lot just from listening and observing. Um, I, <laughs> I'm coaching now a lot, obviously. That's my job. But I watch Tom and how he Tom Gim is the new head coach at Moss Mm -hmm. Farm so I watch him and how he interacts with the athletes when John was here I watched John and watched how he interacted with athletes and throughout the years you know going to meets I watch these coaches and I see how they interact with their team what I think looks like it works and what I think looks like it doesn't work and what I view as you know I could see myself acting that way or I could see myself not wanting to act that way. So it kind of gives me a guideline of how I want to um, develop my own coaching style. So I've been just watching and observing and listening and trying to figure out how I want to develop my own coaching style. Yeah, that's perfect. And then finally, what's your why? My why? I love being able to give back not only to – the sport that gave so much to me, but also to my home community that has given me a lot 
Um, I mean, Moultrie is an incredible place to live. Um, I brought my girlfriend back home to Moultrie for the first time, and she just thought it was like straight up out of a Hallmark movie. You know, you go anywhere yes. in Moultrie and you're going to see somebody that you know, and everyone's so supportive of Moss Farms. I love being able to give back and help develop the next level of not just athletes, but people that are going to eventually return to the community and hopefully give back just as much as the community does now. So Parker, favorite drill. Um, As both one's a diver answer and one's a coaching answer. Okay. So as a diver, my favorite drill to do, and it's going to sound dumb, but I really love doing 303A <laughs> on, oh. on one meter or three meter. I've done it from a hurdle, from a two bounce. I've even done a standing 303A on three meter. And I love it because, you know, at the time I was doing 53-53 on three meter, the first time I did 303A. And I started doing 303A as a prep for that because it really forced me to uh, put the dive in my legs, so to speak, you know, not rotate from your upper body, but right. The mimic that takeoff and connection that I would need for the gainer twister. I'll just do three Oh three, eight. Cause that's how I would crank the somersault for the twister. So that's what I started doing and I love it. And it became kind of like a, like a show dive. I remember at NCAAs my senior year before the prelim in the warm up, I was kind of, I did my, my list and everything and I was done warming up and kind of as like a last, like, touch on the boards and last dive into the water i was like hey darian watch this and i went over and i was trying to do 303a um from a hurdle just for fun but i kept i like balked a few times but no one else was kind of on the boards no one was in line so i balked and i was like trying to reset and i remember i think it was tasman was over there he's like dude don't worry man you got it you can do it because i guess he thought i was doing something like ridiculously hard because I kept balking and I was like, Oh, thanks Taz. Thanks man. <laughs> and I went and did three Oh three a and just smoked it. And I came up and he was just like, like, what, what did you just do? <laughs> like, like, what in the world? And it was just kind of like a funny moment. So I love three Oh three a as a coach. My favorite drill is the two bounce. You know, I know yes. we, you guys talked about that a ton. You guys were at the, the 2028 beyond camp that we did. And we touched on that a lot. But the two bounce is just incredible, mm-hmm. especially if you can figure out how to do it properly because it simulates your hurdle approach so well. And it takes out, like I was mentioning earlier, the variables of what if you put your foot too far to the side when you're doing your hurdle or what if you are too far forward or too far back, you know, jumping from both feet to the middle of the board and then to the end of the board, not very, not very hard for most people, yeah. you know, so I feel like if you can figure out how to do the timing correctly with your push, with your arms, hitting your straight line, swinging at the right times, Mm. I feel like if you can master that or get close to mastering it, it'll help you tremendously with your hurdles. And even even from a two bounce, you can do so many different skills out of it. Like you can do your your fronts, your gainers, front twisters, gainer twisters. Um, If you want to get brave, you can do two bouncing backs. You can do two bouncing inwards. Like you can do two bounce anything uh, yeah. essentially. So I really love the two bounce. So I laughed when you said 303A because there's this ongoing 
thing in our program of anytime someone gives me a drill, we pretty much always do it the next day, mainly with one of my divers, Zach. And he's done this before when Sarah Bacon said it was her least favorite drill. And so I just texted him. I said, hey, guess what the drill is for tomorrow? And I said, 303. He goes, no, I do not ever want to do that again. And I didn't even get a. I didn't even get a chance to tell Aaron this. So you'll like this one, Aaron. I think Parker, you'll like this too. So Zach's been like leading up for maybe working on some 307s. And his 305 is like really good on one. It's gotten so much better on three. And so I'm like, oh, like we've done 306s on one. And Dylan Reed from Pitt goes, hey, have him do 306 on three meter. Like that really helped Dylan with his confidence of like spotting it and knowing you could get after it and know where you're at. So I said, hey, Zach, Dylan says this will help. So he did a couple of them. I sent him. He goes, I know right where I'm at. I sent him to Dylan. He goes, tell him to quit being a baby and like really get <laughs> after it. So we go to so we go to afternoon practice later and he did like, I think like three or four, three or six is like he went after him. He goes, okay, that's not that bad. I can actually spot that. So that was his new drill last week, three or six on three meter. Wow, like, that's nuts. That's crazy. But I'm like, hey, at least he's spotting it. I don't think we'll I don't even know if we'll ever do a 307. He might do it just to say he did it. I think he would be the set. I think he would be the second clarion diver ever. And the last one that did it was in the 90s that did 307. Um, all right. Best advice given and or received, Parker. Um, I've heard a lot of good advice throughout the years. Um, I know John touched on it a little bit when he did it, but he gave me the advice of sit in the front row. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really great advice, you know, forces you to pay attention, which I really needed when I was in college. Um, Dan Pitts has been, he's the coach at Dallas Metroplex diving. Um, and he's a former SMU diver. And so I met him through me diving at SMU. He was always there. And he gave me the advice of don't be afraid to be great. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not afraid to be great. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid to be great. You can be good, but good is the enemy of great. And so I was like, what does that even mean? Like, that doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. But then he broke it down to me. And if you think about it, um, good is the enemy of great. Because if you're good, you settle, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this. You settle, you don't really have that drive to be great at something if you're already good at it. And so if I did some dives at practice, you know, Dan was our volunteer assistant coach for a little bit. And if I was doing some dives at practice and they were good and I'd be pretty happy with it, he would just be like, don't be afraid to be great. And essentially it's just, you know, go, go after it, go for perfection, go for tens. Don't yeah. be afraid to be great. And so I've kind of taken that from him and have been pushing it on my athletes throughout my coaching career. I always bring it up. Like, don't be afraid to be great. Don't be afraid of greatness. Um, yep. stuff like that so I think that has been some great advice um, one other piece of advice this will be my last piece of advice that I was given was from Darian my freshman year at SMU and I have never been the type to study or like take school super seriously it always came kind of easy for me when I was mm -hmm. in high school and so I don't think I, I ever opened a textbook or really ever studied for anything while I was in high school. And so going to college with that kind of same mindset, like, oh, it'll be just like high school. I yep. struggled a lot academically with my first semester. And I remember Darian called me into his office and was like, hey, man, what's up with your GPA? And my GPA wasn't bad by like any means. It was OK, but it wasn't 
good enough for Darian, yeah. essentially. And honestly, looking back, it wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. So um, he was like, what's up with your GPA, man? And I just kind of told him, like, I just don't like school. I don't like class. I don't like sitting there. I don't like being told to do things um, like like do all this homework, do all this stuff. Basically, it, just, it all felt just like busy work that didn't really apply to me or didn't really interest me. And I didn't like it. And so Darian sat me down in his office and was like, look, I totally get it. I was the same way when I was in school, but what are you here to do? And I was like, I'm here, I'm here to dive. He's like, okay, well, if you want to dive, you know, you have to do well in school. You know, you have to do what you have to do to be able to do what you want to do. Yep. So you've got to be able to do what you got to do just so that you can do what you want to do. And that kind of stuck with me throughout the rest of my um, college career. I ended up fixing my GPA, fixing my study habits, and I ended up doing pretty decent. So I, my senior year, I think I won the um, Scholar Athlete of the Year at SMU or the Athletic American Conference somehow. Ooh, that's pretty really, impressive, dude. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how I won that, but I did. So. <laughs> hey, that's all no right. No complaints. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who would you like to hear us interview next? All right. So I actually have a list of people. I don't right. know if you guys just want one, but I came up with kind Go of ahead. a list. I'll write them down. Quite a few. All right. So uh, first, I think you guys should interview Rick Moss. Um, Rick right. is the president of, well, not president, but he's like the head guy at Moss Farms Diving. He's Moose Moss's son. And so Moose, for those of you that don't know, Moose started Moss Farms Diving and had made a tremendous impact on the diving community and the community of Moultrie by building our um, diving facility. And mm-hmm. so Rick is now in charge of everything. And he is just, he's the man, you know, he dove himself. He went to NC state. Um, he understands the diving world. And I just know he has so many great stories of right. Moose and of Moss Farms. So I think Rick would be really awesome. Cool. Um, Tom, Tom Gim. I think yep. you guys should interview him. He's the new head coach at Moss Farms. Uh, he was our assistant coach beforehand, and he's been there pretty much for the past, I think this is his fifth season. So he's been there for a while, and he was there with John helping him develop everything and write all of our practices and kind of figure out what's working. And he was a very big piece of that. And he has also coached at um, the college level. He's going to – I don't remember exactly what school it is off the top of my head right now. It was in Ohio. I don't remember exactly what it was. But he would be great to interview as well. Um, and then uh, Darian, Darian Schmidt, diver at Indiana, uh, synchro partners with Michael Hickson at one point. A really great guy, really awesome coach. Um, was a very, very, very good diver. Uh, Dan Pitts, for head coach at Dallas Metroplex Diving. He was awesome. He gave me tremendous life advice, and I view him as a sort of mentor to me and a good friend. So he's awesome. Um, and then just more women, I guess, who have been in the diving community. So, for example, I have two that come to right. mind immediately, and they are tied to Moss Farms. All right. So, uh, Lauren Nide, Ellie Reese's mom. It's a good uh, idea. She was, she was a phenomenal diver. Uh, she dove at Tennessee for Dave Parrington, went to the Olympic trials, um, 
And then the second woman is Lane Winchester. Yes. She also dove at Moss Farms, dove with Lauren, and went to the University of Alabama. And she actually won NCAAs on one meter, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that. I know she won NCAAs, but I don't exactly remember what event. But what? And I think they were both NCAA Woman of the Year, which is like insane. Yes. Which is yeah. insane. They're both crazy awesome. So I think good choices. They would be good choices. And that's all I had for my list. I like it. So uh, before I ask you my last question, I have to tell you this because I don't think I've ever, I don't think Aaron's ever heard this one. So I dove against Darian in one meet ever. It was like uh, (laughs) back when they used to do regionals and they would do like a winter regionals and then they would have like East West nationals. If you remember that. So (laughs) we were at Miami of Ohio and Darian Schmidt. I mean, you know, Darian, he's built like he should be playing linebacker. And he rolls into this meet being coached by Mark Lindsay. And I'm like, holy crap, this is a big deal. This is wild. Not only like at first it's like Mark Lindsay. And then you see Darian Diamond, you're like, holy crap. How does this big dude just move like that? And that was like right at the stage where I started trying to do harder dives. And I kind of started doing 107C on one meter. Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> and But I knew it, if I did it synchro with someone, I always did it better. Because I just didn't stress as much. I just had fun. Mm-hmm. And I wanted someone to do it with me. And Darian looks at me and he goes, I'll do it with you, Synchro. I go, well, yeah, you have to go on this one because you're going to be able to hide me from my coach then. Like, because you're so big. That <laughs> they're not going to see how bad mine looks. And of course, like he smokes his. And I don't even know what I did on mine, but I'm like, oh, that was cool. I did a Synchro dive with Darian Schmidt. That's but awesome. <laughs> he won't remember it. He'll be like, I don't remember you, dude. <laughs> but no, Darian was always super nice. That, that's what I remember about him as a competitor. Like he was so good, but he was super kind to like, the other people that were definitely not at his level. Um, And then my last question for you, Parker, is what question aren't we asking that we should be? Hmm. I've been thinking about this one a lot too. And the one that just keeps coming back to my, my mind is how can we grow diving to the point where it's available to stream anywhere? Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, Friday nights here, uh, high school football is everything. And so my parents have a subscription to this network that streams every high school sport from football to volleyball to like swimming and diving, like all kinds of high school sports at all of these events across the country. Why can't we do that with diving? Like, I'm not saying necessarily every single, you know, Mm -hmm. invitational or anything like that, but specifically for like regionals, zones, nationals, big, big meets. And I know we do have some sort of streaming for most of those events, but I'm talking like nice, high production yeah, stuff that makes it entertaining. How can we make it more entertaining for more people to want to come and join a diving program or just watch a dive meet? Yep. You know, I just think it would be awesome if we could get to the point where the stands are all packed at all these meets, yep. not just from parents, just from spectators. Well, when I think Drew kind of touched on it when he said like diving is one of the top four most viewed things when the Olympics rolls around. So it's yeah. like, it's very clear if there is like a acceptable production level that people will watch. And so right. for me, like when I watched winter nationals that we were fortunate to get, be, get to be a part of in spring nationals, that's decent production. Like you go on YouTube, you have a profile shot. They did some replays. It was good. Yeah, but then, but then you get to Junior Nationals out in Mission Viejo, and it's a static camera that I can't even see half the dives that are taking place. Exactly. So I, I, I mean, I think you're spot on. To me, like 
there's too much technology on a pool deck, whether it's phones, iPads, computers, for us not to have a decent live stream. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think another thing uh, along the lines of that is not necessarily just the production, but also just the ease of use for people who aren't divers. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I have to send messages all the time people are always like how can i watch this meet and i'm like well you go to this website here dive yeah. meets, you can scroll to this link find the results for all these events blah 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 or you could go to this link here yep. you have to kind of sign in you have to scroll a long way you have to find this but it's always a complicated process yeah how can we streamline the process so you can just go yep. you can send it to your family your friends post it on social media get your community involved just Hey, yeah. this is what's happening. Go watch it. Yeah, it's a super great point. I mean, you think about colleges now, and it's like if you go to SMU, I mean, I would imagine it's like most colleges. It's like you can click like live results, you can click stream, you can click whatever, and they're all right there when you go to schedule. So yeah, I think exactly. you're spot. I think you're spot on. Um, yeah, I think that's a good one. So uh, before we go, just a reminder to our listeners: um, check it whenever the website goes live. If any of you have interest in anything let us know um in terms of if you have ideas for what you want to see on that website aaron and i are brainstorming up some stuff but make sure once it goes live you sign up uh we'll see who the first ever official registration is i think that'll be interesting to see but uh parker super fun i got to hear that story before but i just i really enjoy talking to you and i really want to thank you for your time this evening yeah absolutely thank you guys for having me this has been a blast Mm -hmm. Yeah, good deal. So if you're out there listening, um, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our email, of course, is the diving pod at gmail.com. Excuse me. Um, another shout out to another sponsor, Cowing Robards. That is my family's business, my day job selling t-shirts and screen printing and embroidery. Um, we're we're big in the online store sector. So if you need an example of what that looks like, go to divingpod.itemorder.com. That's our online store. Um, if you want to order anything on there, make sure you enter the coupon code DivePod at checkout. That gets you free shipping. So, Parker, thank you so much again, man. Always a pleasure to uh, chat with you. So, thank you. All right. We'll see you next time.